What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we do over at thepewterplank.com and make sure that you're following us on Twitter at thepewterplank, at Locked On Bucks, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. We are going to be diving into an interview that Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times had with Buccaneers general manager Jason Light. Um, you know, Jason Light has finally kind of broken his silence, David. He's been he's been off Twitter. Um, we haven't heard him in any interviews or or anything like that, which is almost the polar opposite of how things went last year. He was very much in the public eye, and at least among Buccaneers fans, and. And we saw the pool jumping on Twitter and and little things here and there, but it's been just stone silence since about August. But there's a lot of really great information in this interview that Rick Stroud had with Jason Light. And you can find that over at the Tampa Bay Times.com. Um, David, the first thing that I want to mention here is something that you and I have discussed. We've discussed it in the group chat. Um, we spent a lot of our time on the Walking the Plank podcast discussing this, and that is the fate and future of Buccaneers running back Doug Martin. As I was reading this article by Rick Stroud, I noticed almost a throwaway line that he wrote in here. And he he speaks about Jason Light assessing the 2017 season talking about the injury issues, talking about the pass rushing issues, and he discussed the inability to run the football. And Rick Stroud says in his article, quote, he, meaning Jason Light, also placed a lot of the Bucks' inability to run the football on a poor performance by Doug Martin, who has most likely played his last game for Tampa Bay. Now, that was the speculation that we had last year. A lot of us didn't believe, myself included, that Doug Martin would return given the positive drug test and the suspension, and they can get out of the contract. It's a bad contract, especially for the production. And you go a little bit further in the column, and Jason Light said, quote, I think the lack of or having a hard time getting the run game going was You know, Doug just didn't have, he just wasn't ever the same. And it wasn't until late that Peyton Barber kind of arrived and things started going a little bit better with him, starting with the Green Bay game and on and on, which kind of echoes some of the things that I've said on the pewterplank.com in some of my Peyton Barber pieces, things that you and I have discussed, and, and you've said that, you know, it looks like it's it's a year late, but it appears that Doug Martin has played his final game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and we're definitely going to see more Peyton Barber next season. He he earned that he earned that job. He earned that right. You know, I don't think Peyton Barber is going to be the feature back. But kind of what's your what's your takeaway on the Doug Martin thing? Do you think you know last year we had? almost a a confirmation by silence that, you know, Doug Martin was going to come back as, as much as we read into it that he wouldn't, but they never came out and said, you know, Doug's not our guy, you know, Doug, you know, it it just wasn't talked about. So now you have Jason light saying 
Doug Martin wasn't the same. It's, you know, Rick Stroud is alluding to the fact that Doug Martin may not return or likely won't return. So what's kind of your takeaway on the running back situation? Well, I feel like, I mean, I don't think the the Buccaneers really wanted to stick with Doug last year. You know, I'm, since, the, since the draft has ended and, and everything on, everything has carried on, we've since found out that, you know, Dalvin Cook was very much in play for the Buccaneers on their draft board. And I can't remember where where I heard it from, but you know that had the Vikings not traded up to grab him in the second round, he very he very well could have been uh, or would have been the Buccaneers selection. In the uh, it was um, it was Peter Schrager. He had talked okay. about how um, the Buccaneers were trying to trade up for Dalvin, but Minnesota beat him to the punch. Yeah, so. You know, and, and we mentioned it leading up to the draft last year about about Doug Martin that if the Buccaneers were to get, you know, uh, a Dalvin Cook or a Kareem Hunt or a, a Marlon Mack, there were a couple other names involved in that that the Bucks would then release Doug Martin and and be free of his salary because they had that flexibility, um, you know, all the way all the way up until, you know, he he stepped on the field for real. the The team could basically do whatever they wanted. And it turned into a situation where it was more year better than the alternative, which the alternative was a stable of Jaquiz Rogers, Charles Sims, and Peyton Barber at the time, uh, not having shown what he showed at the end of this year. So I think last year that's pretty much what it boiled down to is we don't really want you, but you're better than what we have behind you. So until we can get something better than you, we're just going to stick with you type of thing. And that's why we didn't hear anything public. Because, you know, if the coaching staff or Jason Light comes out and publicly says, hey, Doug Martin's our guy, we're rolling with him, then they don't have a choice. Even if you draft Alvin Cook, now if you go and release Doug Martin, well, every single free agent on the market is going to look at you as a team that, you know, says one thing publicly and does another thing behind closed doors. And that's not that's not a way to attract free agents. So they were really in a situation where they kind of had to just keep their mouth shut and see how things shook out. And then once it was Doug Martin, because of because of how the draft you know went down, uh, that's when we heard you know we're rolling with Doug and he's he's you know got himself clean. He's going to have an opportunity and blah blah blah. And he did. He got himself clean, which you know congratulations. That's a huge thing. Um, he got his opportunity and it didn't go well. Peyton Barber came in you know there towards the end of the season and it definitely got better. Still not good, but it definitely got better. And so now I think it's just it's. 2016, you're better than the alternative. 2000 or 2017, rather, you're better than the alternative. 2018, we're going to go ahead and move on. And even if you know what they have coming into the season isn't necessarily an improvement, it's it's going to be a step in building something for the future. Yeah, I I would say that's a fair assessment. And as I've said, you know, a, a few times, I think the only running back on this team that has earned the the opportunity to return would be Peyton Barber. Um, I could see Jacquez Rogers coming back. I don't – he didn't do anything great, but he also didn't do anything poorly. So he just kind of – I don't see him having a huge role, but he is under contract <coughs> – excuse me for uh, – for one more year. And it's it's almost an insurance policy. He understands the system. He's played well in in spots. 
but I don't see Charles Sims or, or Doug Martin coming back. And yeah, it, it, the Bucks can't wait until round five to draft a running back again this year. If they're, if they're really going to move on, Peyton Barber is a wonderful complimentary back, but he's not a feature guy. So you're looking at having to spend a day two pick, I think, unless Bradley Chubb is gone and somehow, some way, Saquon Barkley falls. I know. I know. I wouldn't be a huge fan of it, but that's the only situation that I can see the Bucks going running back in round one. Mm-hmm. I think there's too many needs on the defensive side of the football, which we are going to get into on Wednesday's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. But you're looking at at being forced into using your second or third round pick on a running back, which isn't a bad thing. But you can't wait until day three again and run into another Jeremy McNichols situation. You just you can't do it. You know, the thing, and I don't want to get too off track here with this, but if if the Buccaneers as an organization really believe that the majority of what happened this season was due to injury, then they're in a prime position to set up the future of the franchise by making some trades and collecting some draft picks. That's oh, really absolutely. all I'm going to say on it right now just because you know we can go on that tangent for an hour, but I just want to throw okay. that out there. Yeah, well, and and we're gonna get more in depth into the draft talk the closer we get. You know, they're they're doing it's it's the uh, the Shrine Game practices are this week, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Senior Bowl is next week. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, so yeah, the more this stuff goes on, the more in depth we will we will get into the draft talk. And once free agency begins, and you start to see the dominoes falling there, you start to get a better idea of what teams may or may not do. Um, it's, it's until a name is announced on the stage in Jerry world, the draft is always a fluid situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about there. David, the other thing that I, I wanted to touch on, on this episode, staying on the same side of the ball, like I said, we're going to, we're going to tackle the defense on Wednesday's episode. And it's either going to run somewhat long or we're going to have to break it up into two parts because I know I have a ton to say on the defense and I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but staying on the same side of the ball, one of the, one of the arguments that we've seen happen and, you know, again, it, it was something that was written about on the pewterplank.com was the return of Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. To me, the return of Deshaun Jackson is a no-brainer. He he has guaranteed money that he is due in the 2018 season. It is more cost-effective if you're looking at it from just a, a business standpoint, looking at the salary cap, it is more cost-effective to keep Deshaun Jackson than to cut him. That being said, no, I don't believe the Buccaneers are going to trade him that's not to say that they wouldn't entertain talks if somebody was like hey we think deshaun jackson is the the missing link for our super bowl run so we're going to give you um a second rounder uh and a conditional fourth rounder that could become a third if 
you know, we win the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah, they're going to entertain those kind of talks, but it's not going to be an active shopping of Deshaun Jackson. And basically, Jason Light said as much in this interview with Rick Stroud. And when Deshaun Jackson was brought up, uh, Jason Light had this to say, quote, he did have a hard time getting the ball. He's a playmaker that didn't have one of his better years, that's for sure. But a lot of that, not his fault. You come to a new team, the quarterback is injured, was struggling early. It's one of those things where we'll look at all we'll look at all of that the next couple of months. There probably will be some free agents that won't be re-signed. Basically, Deshaun Jackson's coming back is, is what I gather from that. Again, when you just look at it based on strictly the salary cap, it's cheaper to keep him than to cut him and sign a replacement. It just makes more sense for Deshaun to come back. On top of that, Jason Light is is completely 100% correct. He was playing with an injured quarterback. Now, I will be the last person that will defend a Jameis Winston deep ball because it's not a good one. It's not terrible, but it's certainly not good. It's definitely bottom quarter of, of NFL quarterbacks. He's, he's bottom eight in, in deep balls. That said, will Dirk Cutter adjust to how he utilizes Deshaun Jackson? How many times did you and I sit here and pound the table and scream, throw him those quick slants? Why are we throwing bubble screens to Freddie Martino and and Adam Humphreys and not Deshaun Jackson. You just have to get the ball to him with space to work with. Instead, it was all deep balls and it was all out routes to the sideline. Mm -hmm. So Deshaun Jackson is still an effective receiver. He's still a good receiver, but you have to utilize him the right way. And that can't be, 75% 75% deep balls and 25% out routes and no wiggle room for him to make plays in space. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the way Deshaun Jackson gets used has a, has a really big part to do with all with the whole situation, not just Jameis's injury, not just timing and Deshaun being new, you know, to the team. I mean, that all plays – Plays a part in it too, of course, but in, in the in the earlier games before James got hurt, Deshaun and and him were having some issues connecting. But all we saw was deep passes. We just we saw fly routes, you know, just just go routes after go route after go route, and and those are not you know those are not high percentage passes. They're not they're not passes you expect to per, to complete uh, a big majority of the time. So of course there's going to be issues there, and then there's frustration because of the expectations, and and all, and all that stuff, and just starts to kind of mount, and then you get hurt in Arizona, and then you know the quarterback is pushing through the injury and playing, and it's just one thing after another after another. The running game's not getting going. The defense is giving up yards and points, and you know it just it's just a snowball effect there. So of course Deshaun Jackson should come back because, because like you said, you got guaranteed money. You're paying him no matter what. So if you're going to pay the guy, he needs to do the job. Uh, period. If you, if you release him or you trade him, 
even if you get something back for him. I don't know what the Buccaneers could get back for him. He's a little bit older. I don't know if if just you know pretending to be a general manager. You know, right now I I'm not giving up anything more than I think a fourth round pick for him. Uh, if if that. So I mean, really, what are you going to get? You know, you might get a cream hunt or something like that. Got it, but. You know the chances of that happening. There's a, there's a reason those players are so amazing, is they don't happen all the time. <clears throat> but coming into the 2017 off season, or prior to the 2017 season, coming into that off season, right? Everybody across the board, no matter what level of media, no matter what level of fan, no matter where you were in the organization, everyone agreed that the Buccaneers needed to get faster, and they did in the receiver position and at the tight end position, right? You got O.J. Howard, you got Deshaun Jackson. They got faster. You got Chris Godwin, so you got faster there too. They didn't get faster in the running back position, which obviously came back to bite them in the butt this year. Um, but they did go out there and they got some speed. So if you get rid of Deshaun Jackson, then the only improvement you have from the 2016 season where everybody, every Buccaneers person I know was saying, man, this team is so slow, is Chris Godwin, who ran a 4-4-2 in the combine, which isn't bad. You know, that's right. That's like Amari Cooper speed, Stefan Diggs speed, you know, stuff like that. But it's not Tyler Lockett speed. It's not Deshaun Jackson speed. It's not game-breaking speed. It's functional speed. We just saw Stefan Diggs run away from a whole lot of New Orleans Saints, you know, just, just last night. But, it was so pretty. <laughs> but it's not the kind of speed where you can force secondaries to play off, you know, play play a deep defender every single play that guy is on the field. That's not the kind of speed Chris Godwin has. So if you get rid of Deshaun Jackson, you're you're now putting yourself in a situation where you either have to one go out and find another guy with that type type of top shelf speed and bring him in to do the job. Which I haven't done a, a huge deep dive into the free agent pool yet, but I don't see a guy out there that you can replace Deshaun Jackson with. And get the same effect, get the same defensive reaction. Because no matter what, I don't care if Deshaun Jackson gets one catch in the game. That defense, every single time Deshaun Jackson's on the field, they're going to know where he is, and they're going to make sure they have top coverage on him. So it doesn't matter if he only gets one catch a game. His impact is still being felt. And you have that with those throws to O.J. Howard. You have that with some of those teams being open and can't break. And you have those with the fact that Mike Evans had a whole lot more single coverage this year than I think I've seen in his entire career. Okay. So you get rid of him, now you have Chris Godwin, which, yes, he's got some speed. But this is a second-year receiver coming in with in, in, into a, onto a team, and now he's got to be the guy. Like We had Chris on the show, and a great guy. And I think he's got a bright future, and I'm a huge fan of his. I, you know, I was very excited when, when he got drafted, and, and we talked about my reactions when he got his first touchdown and all that stuff. Huge fan of the guy, don't get me wrong. But there's a big difference between being the number two receiver on an offense and filling in as the number two receiver for an offense. He did really well filling in for Mike Evans while Mike Evans was suspended. He did really well filling in while Sean Jackson was injured and all that stuff. But you're filling in. You're in a situation as a player where if he dropped – I mean, so uh, he dropped a touchdown pass, if everybody remembers, right? In week 16, he actually dropped a touchdown pass. Guess Guess what didn't happen on Twitter? Nobody blew up about it. You know why? Because he's a rookie third-round draft pick filling in for a starter. What do you think happens if Cam Brayton, Mike Evans, or Deshaun Jackson drops that pass? Uh, Twitter's going to explode. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily going to be pitchforks and all that stuff, but Twitter's going to explode. No, nah, man, 
Mike Evans is gonna make that catch. Oh man, Deshaun, that's what you're getting paid for. Oh man, Cam Bright never drops those things. You know what I mean? But Chris Godwin dropped it. It's like, oh, that was really close. That sucks. And that that was the reaction. You know what I mean? And it's because he's a rookie third round draft pick filling in for a guy. You take Deshaun Jackson out. You put Chris Godwin in there as your permanent number two because that's what he's going to be. Adam Humphreys is not going to. Adam Humphreys is not a perimeter receiver. So Adam Humphreys is going to be your slot guy. The expectations get heavier. They get bigger, and it gets harder to do that. And four four two speed is not going to keep defenses honest the way that four three five speed is or four three three speed is. So again, I mean, unless unless you know everybody talking about Deshaun Jackson being released or cut or traded, unless you're expecting the Buccaneers to then spend a first or second round draft pick on a speed receiver. I mean, you're you're setting your team back. You're not moving forward. And if you're gonna cut guys at this stage, you need to be moving forward. Addition by subtraction. So that's why you know release Baker. That's addition by subtraction. You save some money and you get a little bit. I don't want to say cancerous personality because I don't think that's what he is, but maybe a little bit less than serious personality off who wasn't producing in your system. And you cut bait and you got you know you got Saliga. You got Tui Tui Kolovatsu. Damn, I just I just butchered that. You got CVT. You know what I mean? And you got Clint McDonald, maybe if they decide to bring him back and whoever they draft or whoever they sign. So there's some potential to get better at defensive tackle while saving that money by releasing Baker. You release Jackson, there is zero, there's zero way your receiving core got better or faster. There's just not. So it doesn't make any any sense. Yeah, it, it makes about as much sense as the people that love to throw out the argument that uh, as you alluded to with Chris Baker, that cutting Deshaun Jackson would be addition by subtraction. And he's a locker room cancer and he is a me first guy and all that. I mean, what examples did we see in Tampa of him being a diva or a crybaby or a cancer or anything um, of the sort? You know, and we talked about this during the offseason when he got signed. I heard about it in Washington, D.C. I was in, uh, I lived right outside of Baltimore. So in the D.C. area, right? Like, uh, a 30 minute or three hour drive from DC, depending on traffic. And when he got signed to the Redskins, we, I don't, yeah, yeah, he got signed to the Red, when he signed with the Redskins. Yeah. Uh, I remember specifically, I got to go to a game. It was Mother's Day weekend. I don't know if it was Mother's Day, but it was Mother's Day weekend. And RG3 was there with his mother. So this tells you how long ago this was because, you know, it was like, ooh, RG3. Um, and Deshaun <laughs> Jackson was there. He They were sitting on opposite sides of the court, but they were there together. And you know, they're like, oh, welcome to Sean Jackson to the nation's capital, da, da, da. And everybody was cheering and applauding and all this stuff. And in the stadium that night, I wasn't doing this job, so I didn't have the the eyes on the Twitter and the social media and all stuff that I do now. But in the stadium that night, I can't tell you how many people I heard talk about, oh, hopefully hopefully he doesn't cause problems in the locker room. Oh, hopefully he can learn how to be a good, good teammate. Oh, hopefully him and RG3 can get along because – RG3 is more a professional type and Deshaun Jackson's more of the more of a, a a diva, like you just said. And I literally heard someone say he was a thug. And I'm just like, you people are out of your mind. Like I we talked about this when he got signed. We've talked about it since then. And it mm-hmm. continues to become a topic. Like and it all really stems from short the- of calling it racism. You know what I'm saying? But right. there is zero evidence to support. Deshaun Jackson being a problem in the locker room other than he looks a certain way that gets portrayed in movies, TV, music videos sometimes as being that type of inflammatory personality. That's the only thing that supports the, the, that supports the claim. 
Well, and, and, it, and it all stems from the nonsense back when he was with the Eagles, when Chip Kelly was trying to get him run out of town and succeeded <clears throat> by talking about gang ties and, and this and that. We watched him on Hard Knocks, and I realized Hard Knocks is going to be edited a certain way. But at the same time, if Deshaun Jackson was the vile or cancerous personality or the egomaniac that people want to portray him to be, don't you think HBO and Hard Knocks would have found a way to portray him as such for storyline or views or whatever you want to say? I mean... We've had we've had people say to us that the Buccaneers Hard Knocks was the most boring one yet, which may be true. I don't know. I've only watched the one, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But there was no conflict. There was no I mean, the biggest story of Hard Knocks was a kicker being cut after the first preseason game. And, and we enjoyed watching it. And we, we enjoyed the behind the scenes stuff because we're fans of the team. But there was no drama. Don't you think if Deshaun Jackson was out there causing problems or being a diva or whatever you want to say, don't you think HBO would have been salivating at the opportunity to put some drama in this show? He's he's not a cancer in the locker room. He's not a bad guy. Every wide receiver who is worth a crap is going to have an ego. How many Bucks fans that want to run Deshaun Jackson out of town would be doing naked backflips down Dale Mabry in celebration if they got Antonio Brown on this team? But Antonio Brown is the kind of guy that names all of his children different forms of his own name. Antonia, <laughs> Antoniet. That's an egomaniac. Yeah. He's got an ego on him. I mean, there's just there's so many other examples too. Like I I just watched today uh Steve Smith's A Football Life, which is which was a great, a great show. I love the show. Yeah. And it was. This is not a knock on Steve Smith either, but you want to talk about players who are who are inflammatory and publicly violent and all this. like Steve Smith is one of the most violent receivers ever played the game, and he got in fights with his teammates. Now, during the yeah. episode, he apologized for it, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this dude is literally throwing hands at his own teammates during practices trying to win championships. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, and, and he even drew legal charges from it. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and like you, you, you went back to Chip Kelly, right? LaShawn McCoy was also run out of Philly. Ask yep. the Buffalo Bills how much of a problem LaShawn McCoy has been since he's been there. <laughs> and not for nothing, but LaShawn McCoy is the same dude who at one point in time got got blasted on social media because he threw himself a birthday party where he only invited women. Like, it was him and a whole bunch of women that he invited onto this boat party for his birthday. Like, oh, everybody knows what you're trying to pull. You know what I'm saying? Right. And Deshaun hasn't done any of that stuff. I mean, okay, so one of his friends wrecked a vehicle with, you know, a, a misdemeanor amount of marijuana in the vehicle, whatever, got it. Okay. You point to, you point me out, you point out a person who doesn't have someone in their circle that has issues. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to congratulate you for pointing to a nun or, you know, a person of the cloth. Cause that's pretty much it. And even those people come from backgrounds, right? Like I, I tell you right now, my wife has an uncle who's a priest. Um, so I know for a fact that 
that gentleman has some 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 closets in his family. You know what I mean? Uh, or some some skeletons in his family closet. You know you know what I'm saying? Right. We all have people that are a little bit unsavory around us from time to time. That's that's part of life. You know, you don't just cut people who are important to you or close to you out because of you know certain certain actions. Now you might have to come down on them or maybe restrict some access or something like that. And it's easier for guys like me and you because we don't have the eyes on us that they do. Got it. But it doesn't speak to a direct problem with Deshaun Jackson himself. And it, and now don't be wrong. Some of the people saying that Deshaun Jackson should be shipped out of Tampa are strictly gameplay. Like he, he got paid too much for the production and he didn't produce enough and da, 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 da. So not everybody who wants Deshaun Jackson out of Tampa is coming from that angle, but right, that's just right. kind of, that's kind of the angle that is most, that kind of frustrates me the most. But even the other hand, Jason White is saying it right there. We've been saying it all year. It's more usage play design. And then the injury to James Winston obviously didn't help. But my hope is that when the Glazers had the talk with Dirk Cutter that, hey, you're coming back, that it was made clear. I mean, I think everybody pretty much agrees that this is a one-year situation. You either get the ship corrected in 2018, which doesn't necessarily even mean make the playoffs. Like, 9-7 and with a really strong season, you could possibly come back. You no. need to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm going to disagree very strongly <laughs> with that sentiment. If the Buccaneers do not make the playoffs, Cutter is out of here. Which is fair. Um, you know, but hopefully when they had that conversation, that was made crystal clear. Like, hey, listen, this is a one more time, a one more trip around the bags, right? I, I have a I have a post getting published at noon tomorrow talking about part of this interview. And in that, I, I put in there that I kind of call this a rubber season, right? So in baseball, you got rubber matches, right? Yep. They they won the first game in 2015 or 2016. They lost the second one in 2017. So let's find out what happens in 2018. You lose the series, you're gone. You win the series, maybe you get another trip. Um, we'll see what happens. But hopefully that was made clear because if that was made clear, then maybe that'll spark some change because towards the end of the season, we did see Deshaun start getting used in a more efficient manner. Granted, he ended up getting hurt. I think that if the Buccaneers were in playoff contention, he would have played. But because of the situation and the injury that he had, it, this, there's no reason to risk further injury to an already older gentleman in the league that you're going to rely on in 2018. So, you know, take that with a, with a grain of salt. But hopefully we see that carry in 2018. You know, we talked with Scott Smith a couple weeks ago about the momentum of getting a Week 17 win into next season, how that is kind of a myth and doesn't really work that way. Like you don't win in December and then come back next, you know, next July, August and say, Oh man, we still, we won in December. That was amazing. And that, you know, that doesn't really spark you for the next season, but hopefully what we do see carrying the next season is that play design, that play call and that usage of guys like Deshaun Jackson and guys like OJ Howard. Cause OJ Howard had a great game going too when he got hurt. So, um, you know, hopefully we see some carryover and, and like I said, the only thing that really is going to convince me that Dirk might actually have a little bit of a fundamental change in the way he runs his offense is if the Glazers said, look, dude, you had some good things going towards the end of the year. We need to see that next year because this is it. Um, if, if he's coming into the season thinking, oh, the owner's got my back, you know, I'm good. I can, I'm still the smartest guy in the room. Then I, I don't know, man, we may, we may come back next year and, and see the exact same thing. All right. Well, David, before we get out of here, I'm I'm calling an audible real quick because we had Chef Aaron send us an email or a, a direct message on Twitter on January 11th. 
And so I don't think this is going to spark a very long debate. I'm pretty sure you and I are going to be pretty cut and dry with our opinion on this one. But speaking of, you know, the Glazers sitting down with Cutter and saying, look, man, you got one year. You better make it happen because you were a Mark Davis sniping away from being replaced by John Gruden to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, should 2018 be a failure? And Dirk Cutter is ousted. Chef Aaron says, if Nick Saban wanted to come back to the NFL in 2019 and Cutter unfortunately fails in 2018, would you want Saban to coach the Bucks? No. Me neither. <laughs> Keep him away. I have zero faith that that man can coach in the NFL. On top of that, I don't know why people like to continuously bring up Nick Saban. I know it was talked about that the Giants wanted to try to lure him away from Alabama. He's not leaving. He may leave Alabama at some point, but if he's going to leave Alabama and continue coaching, it's still going to be in college. That Mm -hmm. man is a legend. He went from being a joke of an NFL coach to becoming the greatest college football coach ever. He is a legend. He is the Bill Belichick of NCAA football. No NFL team is going to all of a sudden convince him to give the NFL another shot when he is constantly in the running for a national championship. Nick Saban could end his career with double-digit championships. Why would you risk messing that up to go to the NFL and potentially destroy your legacy with another massive failure? He's redeemed the first one. He's not going to risk it again. Yeah. Saban, Saban has a college market pinned down. There's no reason for him to move out of there. I mean, he got Alabama to the national championship game with Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. That's that's a masterful coaching job in, in itself. And then he had the ability to pull him for a freshman and win the game. So uh yeah, I don't I mean the the thing I'll give Coach Saban credit for is it looks like he's clean. And that's what uh you know talking mm-hmm. about like guys like Les Miles, you know you look at a lot of these coaching careers, you look at like Jim Trussell. Jim Trussell probably had some opportunities to go to the NFL, but he wanted to stick it out at Ohio State. And then Terrell Pryor's, you know, activities, uh, unfortunately, cast a shadow on his tenure there. But you look at like Pete Carroll. Like Pete Carroll has come back to the NFL and had a very good career. And, you know, kudos to him again. Congratulations. But he left USC because he knew that thing was on fire. He knew that thing was burning from underneath him. And if he oh, didn't yeah. get out of there, he was about to go down with the ship. So he, he, ran he left. Uh, yeah, he 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 jumped ship, you know, left uh, left his guys hanging, kind of hold the bag there, and uh, you know, whatever it is, what it is, they're all they're all adults. They all knew what they were getting into when they accepted the houses and the money and and all that craziness. But uh, you know, Nick Saban has been doing this for so long in Alabama that if he was doing it dirty, it it had been found out by now. You know, so he's 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 clean. His reputation is spotless. You know, people don't necessarily like him. That's you know, but that's not really part of the job description. Um, the man wins, and he knows how to get the best out of his players. Because every year, it's like this team is a different identity. Like one year, they're running offense 
with a defense that they need to score a lot of points for. The next year, they're a defensive juggernaut, and their offense just needs to not turn the ball over. The next year, they're passing the ball all over the field with Amari Cooper, and the only team that can beat them are the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, the guy knows how to coach college athletes, but but I don't think he knows how to connect with professional players. Um, The motivation is different. College... College athletes are motivated by something different than pro athletes are motivated by. And sometimes your personality clicks with one, doesn't click with the other. Greg Schiano clicked at Rutgers with college kids, did not click in the NFL with professional football players, you know, and, and there, that's not a, a knock on him per se. It's there. There's a whole lot of people who would kill to be a successful college coach. So, you know, be proud of where you're at and, and all that don't, don't be so ambitious that you promote yourself out of, out of, out of competence, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it happening for one and I don't want to stay in coaching the Buccaneers anyway. Yeah. I, I wouldn't either. If, if the Bucks started a coaching search and Nick Saban was mentioned, I would probably uh, throw up in my mouth just a little bit. I would just I, write 300 words about how it's a bad idea. Yeah. That too. <laughs> but fun Good fact. Question. But yeah, yeah, it just it's it's not not for either one of us. And I I knew David was going to have the same reaction that I did when I read it. Um, just yeah, no thanks. But uh, fun fact to end the podcast on when uh, when Alabama wins a national championship, LeBron James wins the NBA finals. So don't get discouraged that the Warriors beat the Cavs to or uh, Monday night because LeBron's going to win the NBA Finals since Alabama won the national championship. I'm okay with that. I'm most certainly okay with that. No more Warriors. I'm I'm sick of them and their faces. So, David, anything else before we get out of here? Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, on, uh, on Wednesday's show, David and I, like I said, we are going to dive in to the defensive side of the ball and uh, touch a little bit more on some of Jason Light's comments in his interview with Rick Stroud. And then coming up at the end of the week, we are going to discuss NFL playoffs. David has been just chomping at the bit to discuss the uh, the playoffs, and so we're going to make sure that we get that discussion in there. David, any any preview as to what it is that you, you would like to talk about or who you're rooting for or anything like that, or you want to save it for Friday? All I'm going to say is go Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey's Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey's. Okay. You know, there's a lot of Bucks fans that don't want Jacksonville to win because Jack Jacksonville is where we have been. And then all of a sudden they've skyrocketed. And if they go to the Super Bowl, they, I mean, they, I guess theoretically already own the state of Florida as far as the NFL is concerned this season, but defense wins championships. Yeah, and we are going to get into that discussion for sure on Wednesday. Um, and you know what? I, I want people to to tweet us, tweet at the Peter Plank or at Locked On Bucks, and uh, I want I want hashtags, and I want to know if if everybody thinks that Blake Bortles is more elite than Joe Flacco. I want you to tweet oh, hashtag Bortles yes or hashtag Bortles no. <clears throat> is, is Blake Bortles a more elite quarterback than Joe Flacco? Don't. David. 
Can I ask a clarifying question? Sure. Shouldn't at least one of them be an elite quarterback first to be more elite? No, but see, people already say that Joe Flacco is elite. So I want to know if Blake Bortles is more elite than Flacco because I put them in the same class. What? Listen, I'm going to quote the great Albert Hainsworth. Okay. (laughs) If, if one elite quarterback is not actually an elite quarterback, then it can't be an elite quarterback. Can it? Sure. I don't know if you get the reference. I just I'm I'm tired and I'm trying to follow your your that, that was a maze. Albert Hainsworth has has a commercial about motor oil and he, he says at the end of it he's because he does a bunch of quotes and at the end of the commercial he says if oh, the leading motor oil okay. isn't the leading motor oil it can't be the leading motor oil can it? So that's what I'm saying. If if the elite quarterback we're talking about is not actually elite, then the other one can't be elite. Right. You said Albert Hainsworth, but that's Vince Wilfork. That's where I was getting confused. Oh, that's what I said. You're correct. Yeah, that's where you lost me. I'm like, what in the world would Albert Hainsworth be talking about? You're correct. I apologize to Mr. Wilfork. (laughs) Yeah, if if I was Vince Wilfork and you called me Albert Hainsworth, I would be uber offended. I will allow him to punch me for that. I owe you one free jaw jacking. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah hashtag Bortles yes hashtag Bortles no is he more elite than Joe Flacco mm-hmm. <laughs> David does not approve so make sure that you're tweeting all of those to at locked on bucks because it will flood David's phone with notifications and make me laugh oh, or really? you can tweet them at the Peter Plank or if you want to tweet us personally, it's at Yarko underscore bucks and at DH82 underscore bucks. Thank you all for joining us once again here at Locked on Bucks.